This is Your Morning Basket, where we help you bring truth, goodness, and beauty to your homeschool day. Hey there, and welcome to episode 83 of the Your Morning Basket podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and I am so happy that you are joining me here today. Well, today we're kicking off a two-episode series all about the season of Advent. It's going to be so much fun getting prepared for the season of Christmas, and that's what Advent is. It's all about preparing for Christmas. And our first guest is Tish Oxenreiter. She has a brand new book out about Advent this year, and she has really contemplated how we can bring this season into our families and use it to help us have less stress instead of more throughout the Christmas season. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode of the podcast, and it's going to bring you some peace. So we're going to get on with it right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our Advent Morning Time Plans. So these wonderful morning time plans are four weeks to help you prepare your heart for the holidays in morning time. You can use these with your kids and they make a wonderful addition to your holiday morning time. And the best thing about these plans is they are absolutely free. All you have to do to get them is come over to the website at pambarnhill.com forward slash advent enter your email address and you can download your set of plans now they are freshly revamped this year they've gone from three weeks of plans to four weeks of plans to take you all the way through the advent season we focus on handel's messiah some advent prayers memorizing verses from isaiah related to the messiah some christmas theme math and some christmas theme art for picture study and also some art projects that you can do as well as a little bit of nature study on the side. So, so many great Advent and Christmas themed activities in this free set of plans we have just for you. So pambarnhill.com forward slash Advent to get your set today. Tish Oxenreiter is a best-selling author, adventure seeker, and guide, and she's a mom of three. They live in Central Texas. Her book, At Home in the World, tells the story of her family's year backpacking around the world and the lessons she learned while doing it. And her most recent book, Shadow and Light, A Journey into Advent, guides the reader through the Psalms for the Advent season. Tish also runs a popular newsletter called Books and Crannies, leads annual bookworm pilgrimages to London, and she's a podcaster at The Good List. She believes that a library card, a Netflix subscription, and a passport are some of the greatest educational tools in the universe. And you can find her online at her website, tishoxenrider.com. Tish, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's so great to chat with you. Yeah, it's so nice to chat with you. Actually, again, we chatted a few years ago about homeschooling for a different podcast of mine, and you've been busy since then. (laughs) Yeah, I don't even remember how old my kids were then, but yeah, I'm... We've done a lot, and we've moved a couple times, probably. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh 
So, um, yeah, I think it was just after you guys had come back from your kind of around the world trip, right? which was so exciting and such a great way to homeschool. And then, uh, yeah, I think you were just maybe just getting in, settling into Texas or getting ready to settle in. Like, That's right. Yeah. Yep, about we that were. time. I remember that. So, uh, and so now you're branching out in writing about Advent Mm-hmm. And this is so much fun. Before we talk a little bit about what Advent is, tell me, why was it appealing to you to write about? Right. You know, because it, it seems like quite a, a departure from what I typically write about. Yeah. So I had always been intrigued by the idea of old rituals and traditions, I guess. I grew up in a church environment that was pretty detached from that kind of stuff. Not that we thought it was bad or wrong. I just didn't know much about it. Mm -hmm. And so I was intrigued by it, but didn't really know what to do with it really. And we used to live overseas before we traveled around the world. We lived overseas and I, um, that experience, I guess, opened me up to a lot of different ways and cultures. And I was exposed to the more ancient traditions Uh, regarding the liturgical calendar and holidays. And so I kind of put that in my back pocket and thought that that's just really fascinating and intriguing. I'm looking at it as an outsider. Um, But then, you know, we go on our around the world trip. I learn a lot about what matters to me and what doesn't so much, particularly, particularly around the holidays as a parent, Mm -hmm. the, the holiday season before this, the one before we left, I just remember having that feeling of like, I am just, feeling like a Scrooge this year. (laughs) I just (laughs) was not super feeling the merriment of the holidays. You know, I I just, I I was just exhausted. I I felt like the culture was just expecting more and more of me. My kids at the time, at the age they were, I I mean, I can look back now and say, actually, they weren't really putting that pressure on you. You were putting it on yourself as the mom. But I think I thought in my head, my kids want to do something fun and, you know, holiday-ish every single day. And um, so I just felt burned out. So I was actually looking forward to a year off from that where we were, you know, we had all the excuses in the world to not do much for Christmas because we were living out of backpacks. And so it was a delightful Christmas. And I learned a lot, I think, just as we traveled about more and more church history, Christian history, come fast forward, we move back to Austin and we start going to a church that is liturgical. And this is when I first um, really became introduced to the idea of Advent in the original universal church meaning. Mm -hmm. And I had always heard of Advent, but I had thought of it as, you know, December 1st through December 24th. And the (laughs) calendars that you buy at the store that have like not so great chocolate, you know. Um, (laughs) And so discovering this gave Suddenly, the scaffolding that I had been searching for all these years before as a mom for how to anticipate Christmas with the right attitude and the framework and the posture to where it's not, let's just like dive right into the holidays so that by December 26th, I'm sick of it and I want to pack up everything. And so really, the gift of Advent and really the liturgical calendar became just that. It became a gift. Um, an invitation for me to um, savor the season correctly, quote, I'm, I'm doing quote, correctly in quotes, because I discovered this whole time, oh, I didn't need to do all those things I thought the culture was telling me to do. I can um, actually anticipate 
the festive season, which is what Advent is all about. It's anticipation leading up to Christmas and not only Christmas Day, but Christmas Tide for 12 full days and truly enjoy it all. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of freedom that comes from the idea, and and we can talk more about this as we go, but freedom that comes from the idea of, I have 12 days to celebrate Christmas. It doesn't all have to be done in one day. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Oh, just that longing there and the things that you're talking about. I can so relate to it. Let's tell everybody or for anybody who might be unfamiliar, what is the idea of Advent? Because you hit upon something that I think is so funny, you know, uh, 24 days of bad chocolate. That's not (laughs) it. (laughs) Right. Not at all. (laughs) So kind of give us a a little cheat sheet, uh, Mm -hmm version of of what Advent is, what you're talking about when you're saying Advent. Right. Okay. So Advent is simply, uh, it, it comes from the Latin word for arrival. And so we are waiting for something to show up in, in essence. Advent starts four Sundays before Christmas. So we're talking you know, four, almost full weeks, depending on when those, those dates actually fall. Mm-hmm. Um, in the year 2020, it actually starts November 29th. The year before that, it was actually December 1st. So th- sometimes you're right when it's December 1st. Um, but so it changes every day or every year, the calendar date, but it's always the fourth Sunday before. And that actually starts the liturgical calendar. It's sort of the church's new year. Mm -hmm. And when we recognize Advent, what we're doing is we're slowly anticipating the arrival of Christ, both historically when he was born of the Virgin Mary and in the future, when we recognize that one day all the rights will be wronged in our world. And so there's sort of a both and posture that we take with Advent, both recognizing the gift we already have and the gift of hope we have that, yeah, we hope for Christmas in the same way that a child hopes with anticipation for that day. But we also hope for the world when we look around, you know, we hear all this stuff going on in the news and these natural disasters. And and we feel so deeply, especially this year, how broken our world is, Mm -hmm. that we're reminded that we have hope. And one day it will not be this way. And so I love that Advent plays into that well, especially during the holiday season, whenever we're looking so intently for some light. And in fact, that's why I gave the, the book the name Shadow and Light, because there's this historical idea of starting in darkness and moving to light as a way to recognize Advent, particularly with the candles. You know, um, it's a common tradition to light one candle a week leading up to Christmas Day when you've got all five candles lit on your Advent wreath, the four from the previous week, and then your Christmas Day candles. So there's something really literal about anticipation during the season. Right, right. And that coming of the light. Um, yeah, I love it. So what is, where did this start historically? Mm-hmm. You know, it started many moons ago. We have documents from early church fathers that recognized Advent as a season. I'm trying to remember the exact date, and I feel like someone's going to listen and then look it up and, you know, say it correctly. So it's out there, but um, it started many, many centuries ago. So we, we have documentation that the early church fathers, we're talking probably like third through fifth century, maybe um, up to the eighth century, recognized Advent as a season. So this is an old, old practice that we can join with um, those who went before us into recognizing it. But interestingly, we see this historical kind of disinterest that 
the volume was turned down, not only on Advent, but Christmas, sometime around the 17th and 18th centuries. We're not entirely sure why, but weirdly enough, who brought it back to the forefront was Charles Dickens, at least in the Western world. Um, His book, A Christmas Carol, and the Victorian era in general kind of dusted off the idea of Christmas being a big deal. And so we see this revivalized interest in Christmas and therefore, at least with some church traditions, Catholic and whatnot, sort of bring it back to the forefront, not so much of the church because it had always been there, but for the everyday families, the people just, you know, doing their best to live faithfully. um, We see this revitalized interest. Yes. Yes. Okay. So here's the deal though. I am so busy in December. Like there's so much that I am having to do. And the idea of kind of adding something to this busy holiday season is a little overwhelming. So mm-hmm. how can we make this this Advent time more uh, life-giving instead of energy draining? Right. Because one of the reasons I was so burned out was because the thought of just doing one more thing made me want to curl up and and just hide from my children and not do anything else. So I completely get it that, you know, when you're thinking about the idea of introducing a, a recognition of Advent in your home when you hadn't before, you're, you're trying to do the math and thinking, how can I do more to the holidays? I'm already trying to do less. Well, When I say Advent is a gift, what it's done for me is the scaffolding it's provided gives me permission to do largely that which I would do anyway, but slowly. So um, just practically speaking, when we do Advent in our home, we started off before trying to do these other things. Like, I don't know if anyone's ever done a a Jesse tree. This is a tradition some Mm -hmm. people do where you hang an ornament on a separate tree one a day and you read something from the Bible starting from creation all the way to the birth of Christ. Well, I liked that idea in theory, but I found myself, if we had some kind of, you know, church event to go to or some sort of work party, as soon as, you know, we had to skip a day, the next day we had to then do two. And then if the kids were up late one night and they needed to go to bed and we had to skip doing Advent, then suddenly we're like three days before and uh, behind. And before I knew it, we were like a week behind and it just did not feel life giving. It felt very draining. So I knew I wanted something very open and go and very much like if we have to skip a date, no big deal because real life and we can just turn the page and do whatever we needed to do that day with a fresh beginning. And so I couldn't find anything like that out there. I wanted something that was ecumenical something that recognized the busyness of a typical family yet wasn't watered down or dumbed down. My children were starting to get a little bit older and just the simple, you know, one liner, two liner story in a craft wasn't going to cut it. Plus I'm not a crappy mom. And so um, I was really searching for something. And what I discovered is the gift of the Psalms is that it's poetry, that it's prophetic And that it recognizes both the dark and the light of life, the hope that we have. Mm -hmm. And so we can enter into the beauty written in the Psalms in a, you know, fairly open and go way. And so for us in our family, we literally do the Psalm reading. We listen to music. We light a candle. We maybe um, talk about or look at a particular work of art for the day. And that's, quote, it. We practice Advent in all sorts of other ways throughout our um, just daily life in the holiday season. So, for example, like I was talking about it being an anticipatory posture, 
we do things like instead of just tossing up the Christmas tree in one night, we perhaps put up the tree and then a few days later we put on the lights. Mm -hmm. And then a week later we start decorating the tree with the ornaments a little bit until Christmas Eve and the tree is fully decorated. And I don't know if anyone's ever had that experience of like December 26th, you want to take the whole thing down because you just want to declutter your house. The, the gift of that had been like, oh, now the tree is fully, you know, on display. I want to enjoy it and I want to keep it up for the full 12 days of Christmas because I'm finally enjoying it. So that's, that's just a simple example. There's other ones out there of how we can recognize Advent. It's not doing more. It's structuring what you're already doing through the lens of anticipation instead of um, just clamoring all for it right away. Okay, I love this. First of all, I didn't realize there was anybody else out there who decorated a tree like I do. Hmm. <laughs> because that's exactly how I already do it. Um, because it's just over, it's, well, for one thing, it's overwhelming to do it all at one time. And you're right, I would get to December 26th and just be completely ready to take it down. There was no way it was going to make it through Epiphany. And it was when I started doing that whole process of putting up just the tree part and then you know, fluffing for a while. And <laughs> ours is pre-lit now. So, you know, ah, sure. uh, but we do let it sit for a few days before we then plug in the lights and then just kind of adding the, uh, the ornaments gradually. Yes. I love, love the idea of doing it like that. And then it, you're not, um, and I will tell you, like my Advent wreath comes out and is usually still sitting amidst all the fall decorations for a few days mm -hmm. um, before I finally put those away and pull those in. So I don't feel the need to, um, you know, take all of the Thanksgiving decorations down in one day and then whip out all the Christmas decorations at one time. I mean, the mm -hmm. Advent candle can sit there by the pilgrims for a few days. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think it's helpful to remember that this, the, the recognition of holidays is a gift to us. It's not because God needs it or something. Yeah. You know? It's not like um, this is some kind of ritual that we're quote supposed to do. This is truly for our benefit. And so to recognize it as our benefit means we can do the things that are life giving to us and then just set aside the things that just feel like a burden with no sweat. It's no big deal if you're feeling, you know, because when my kids were much younger, I don't think we could have done more than light a candle mm -hmm. and maybe say a quick prayer and then blow it out or something like that. Yeah. Um, this day, you know, I've got teenagers and so it's a whole different story. So just, it's helpful to remember that, you know, it's okay if decorations mix and mingle or that things aren't exactly set up the way you want. And to me, that is the true gift of Advent. You know, there's no hurry on any of this. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I love this idea that, uh, it, you know, talking about the book now, that it is an open and go thing, and it's okay if you miss a day. Um, I had the same experience with the Jesse tree. It's like we would start off gangbusters, and usually by about, at least by two weeks in, we would have missed a couple days, and then you have this um, avalanche of ornaments sitting there waiting for you. <laughs> And you have to do the readings. You know, if you're a perfectionist, you can't just let it go. Right. And so it, it does definitely become a burden. Or even some of the books, and they're lovely books, uh, I'm sure, but some of the ones where you have to do a reading every day and the story builds on itself, Right. Um, when you get behind, you're like, how are we ever going to catch up? And so I know a lot of moms out there who struggle with 
perfectionism throw up their hands and say, well, we might as well just stop because we <laughs> haven't done it right. That's right. That's right. You know, our kids, um, we go to a, a co-op that's several days a week. And so we have some mornings that are nice and leisurely and we get our, we call it symposium, our morning time. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have our symposium. Other times we are trying to get out the door, you know? And so um, there are some days during Advent where we get to savor it and we do the reading. We listen to the song. We look at the artwork. We talk about it. It could take like 30 minutes to an hour and it's fun. Other days it is two minutes or not at all. And it's at yeah. night and everyone's exhausted. We got to make lunches. We got to get ready to head out the door early. And so we're just like, you know, reading the psalm, lighting the candle, and that's about it. And it's totally okay. I wanted, I, I basically created the thing I needed as a mom <laughs> because I could not find it out there. I wanted something that really was rich and meaningful, but also did not add this burden of behindness that we can so often feel during the holidays. Yeah, I love it. And I love the Psalms and that, and you're right. Um, you know, there are psalms that deal with darkness and lead us into light. And then we get into the songs of praise and thanksgiving. And so, uh, you know, there are 150 of them. So there's a a breadth (laughs) of, you can handle all of the ups and downs and the emotions and the, you know, there's so many things that they talk about. And so it's, uh, they're not horribly long. Um, They're beautiful, beautiful words. It's almost like music to listen to uh, and the poetry of them. So I think it was a fabulous choice for something, you know, of this nature. And I wanted something like that because every day has a small discussion question, which, you know, for parents with little children, they can do on their own, just journaling or maybe talk with their spouse. But then I wanted something, if you have slightly older kids, you could talk about. And I didn't want to focus so heavily on all the um, happy parts of the holidays as though like, what are you looking forward to about Christmas? Although that's definitely there. I wanted to also recognize that second meaning of Advent, the already not yet, that the world is not yet as it should be Mm -hmm. so that we can have these discussions with our kids, even during the holidays, you know, talking about the orphan and the widow. And um, when it feels like God is not there a month, all the the chaos we're hearing, that's important to sit and park on and not ignore with our children, because these are important discussions that we can have throughout the day um, with them. And this book is, you know, an invitation to do just that even during the holidays. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. So um, let's talk a little bit about your experience with the liturgical calendar. Mm -hmm. You know, you're leaning into Advent. Have you embraced some of the other parts of the liturgical calendar as well? Yeah, for sure. We are, um, (laughs) we're pretty much all in and sold. And, you know, it it takes a little bit of time, especially if you didn't grow up Mm -hmm. Catholic or grow up in a high church environment. But we we slowly integrated more and more into our life where it's now a solid part of our routine. Um, you know, like we mentioned, after Advent comes Christmas tide, and that's 12 days long, ending with Epiphany. And then you've got a season of Epiphany um, or ordinary times, and people recognize into Lent. And we we do things as a family with Lent as well. You know, our kids are a little bit older as well, but we usually um, focus on some sort of issue along with um you know, fasting, what we're kind of used to from Ash Wednesday on, but also the almsgiving part, we, we collectively decide as a family, what are we going to focus on? Um, and we talk about it over the dinner table. Now, I'm making it sound much more structured than it really is. We're talking very 
organically throughout our day, over the dinner table, during lunchtime when we're breaking, before or after story time, during symposium, that kind of stuff. Um, so we recognize Lent and then the 50 days of Easter tide, all the way to ordinary tide. So we, we really... Um, we really lean into it. I find it as a mom, it really helps give some, like I said earlier, the scaffolding, but also a sense of time moving forward. You know, one of the reasons we like the seasons is because it, there's a certain way they feel. They feel, you know, fall feels differently than the spring where we, you know, have the renewal and, um, and the liturgical calendar helps us embrace those seasons even more because we get to um, think through the different, you know, parts of, um, what the church recognizes every single year again and again, and has been for 2000 years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's that journey too. I mean, you, you go on that journey and then you end up um, on the way to Jerusalem uh, mm -hmm. with Christ. And, you know, it, it ends with the, uh, the resurrection on Easter. And so, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's just a wonderful before you head back to ordinary time again. So it's, it really is a wonderful, uh, kind of recognition. And I live in a place where there aren't seasons. <laughs> right. And so that's the one of the beautiful things about the church calendar for those of us here is that, you know, it, it really does kind of help bring some of those seasons in a, in a place where the outside temperature, you know, we really don't get that fall. We really don't get that spring, but it does help move us through the year and recognize that there is a passage of time. There are uh, high times and low times and things going on. And so it, it really does make a difference. So, yeah, yeah. We, I live in a similar environment too in central Texas. We always, every Lent, we work on our uh, backyard garden. And I find that that's a really great way to connect the outdoors with what's happening inwardly. Um, because, you know, Lent is about rebirth and is, and is about um, kind of from ashes to life. And that's pretty much what we're doing with planting a garden. So we like to take advantage of, um, even if it doesn't literally feel like, you know, super cold to warm by, uh, by Easter, we're already warm when it starts. Um, we take advantage of it as best we can and we make it work. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things when I think about, when I think about the liturgical year, if you were to go on to Pinterest and <laughs> type in the liturgical year, you're going to end up with a lot of crafts. And you mentioned mm -hmm. yourself that you're not a crafty mom. I'm not a crafty mom. <laughs> so what do we do with little kids? I mean, your, your book is absolutely lovely. Um, and, you know, I love the fact that you have in here something to listen to, um, something to gaze upon. So you're really hitting on a number of the different senses in here and worshiping with all of our senses. How can we incorporate little kids into this without having to necessarily resort to the crafts? Right, right. You know, we we have a craft cabinet in our house. We have since my oldest was a toddler where it lives out in front and center of our home. So it's in the living room and they can craft as much as they want. And I can nod enthusiastically and hang things on the fridge whenever they want to take part in crafts because I had two out of three of my kids were super into crafts and one of them still is. And I am talking like random bits of cardboard and, you know, glue and hot, the hot glue gun and nothing fancy. So I, I just say that as a little um, kind of addendum to the crafty mom thing. I am all about the tactile experience kids might need for um, you know, leaning into something like the liturgical calendar that I have had kids that need it. So my son, my youngest, he still does the whole like making construction paper, holiday decor and putting it all over the house. 
during the seasons. And that's great with me. I don't mind. Um, but, you know, I, I find I'm a storytelling mom. Like, I, I think it's mm-hmm. really great to lean into the thing you are good at. I am, we're big book nerds over here and I love a good story. And so we, we really lean into read aloud time and story time in our family. So I go with that as my go-to resource for um, teaching the kids about the liturgical calendar. And so in my household, we do a lot of saint stories. You know, we read Mm -hmm. about the saints, we read about certain festivals and feasts, but through storytelling avenues, not necessarily. I mean, yes, of course we read the Bible, but we also um, it's not a didactic preaching kind of method that we do. We, we uh, That's one of the reasons I love the saints so much is because we can use their literal lives as fascinating stories to frame um, certain events in the liturgical calendar. And there's lots of great books out there. Um, there's more. I have one that was just published this past year that I just think is remarkable with its illustrations and its storytelling for the saints. Um, so that's a method I use. But, you know, if a, a mom is more into art or music, I think they can lean into those avenues with having a lot of that sensory input with the sights and the sounds. And so my advice usually to moms who are with littles who don't feel like they can do what they quote want to do, which is like have some kind of deep theological discussion or, or just like kid, let's sit down. Let me just show you how it works um, is to just lean into the thing you're good at as a mom. Mm -hmm. Cause, cause you're the mom for these kids and that was on purpose and so um, it's a good it's a good thing to do the things you're good at for your kids. They will um, appreciate that more than you trying to do the thing that is hard for you, and therefore you kind of do it begrudgingly. Um, so that's been my take on it, it, especially in the early years. Oh, I think that's such excellent advice because you know there are ways to do this with food. If you're the mom who loves to cook and that's your thing, you know, there's so many feast days throughout Advent and then just, you know, there are definitely ways to, uh, you know, have some kind of special food or there's, you can, you're the storytelling mom. And I think we have the same saints book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the name of it. It's Me in my too. morning time basket. <laughs> yes. It's, a, it's over in our little thing in the living room as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but you said wonderful illustration and I think we'll have to find it and, and mm-hmm. put it in the show notes, but I bet it's the same one because it came out this year. Yes. But, um, yeah. So telling those stories And one other thing that you just said that I want to touch on, you know, I mentioned that you have something to listen to and you have a piece of art to look at, but that doesn't mean you have to do everything. That's right. If you're the art mom, choose looking at the art and talking about it with your your children. If if you're the listening mom, uh, you know, if music is your thing, choose that piece. Um, You don't have to do everything. You can choose the things that you like. And then I also love the idea of if you're not crafty, throw the art stuff out for your kids and give them permission to make whatever the reading of the day leads them to make. You don't mm-hmm. have to come up with something yeah. specific and they're going to be able to, to, you know, get that tactile mm-hmm. input that they're after. That's right. Yeah, I, I like to tell moms if they feel overwhelmed at the thought of starting Advent or anything in the liturgical calendar, just pick two things, you know, pick lighting of the candles and reading or reading and listening to the music or 
the art and the candles or something like that. Don't feel like you need to do it all unless you just want to, and then you can gradually add more. And, you know, I think it's helpful for us to remember, especially when they're younger, that a lot of times we put so much pressure on making the holidays magical and memorable for our kids. And we forget that kids are pretty good at doing that on their own, that especially when they're younger, that the holidays just by nature of what they are, are magical to them. And so our job as parents is just to provide the space to let that magical imagination flourish. So, Mm. you know, for me, that looks like focusing on the five senses. And that sounds almost too easy, but it really truly is like having great music playing in the background, you know, not that you need to have like a soundtrack for your life, but just have a few good go-to playlists for the holidays, have some nice smelling candles around, have that craft cabinet available for them to make whatever they want, you know, proudly display their paper snowflakes all over the place. And they will remember how your home felt during the holidays, so much more than the specific thing you did or didn't do that one day when you felt like you should be doing more and didn't feel like doing it or whatever that is. Um, Because kids are pretty great at, uh, you know, almost creating all the stuff themselves if we just get out of their way. Yeah. Well, and you know, something else that takes the pressure off is when you think back on your memories of the holidays when you were a kid, you know, and, and my mom was always pretty great at it. But, you know, there are like one, two, three things maybe that stick out from my childhood. It's like these wonderful holiday memories. So I have wonderful holiday memories, but I don't have millions. I just, (laughs) you know, so your kids, they don't need millions of memories. They they just need a few that they can remember really well. And they're going to be like, I had the best holidays. You know, I had wonderful memories. So... Yeah, I usually tell people, okay, try and remember what was your favorite gift you got on your ninth Christmas? And yeah, no. most people would be like, I have no idea. And yeah. we, we, it's true. We don't remember. But you might remember how your house smelled during the yeah. holidays or that one thing your mom baked every year or that one tradition your dad did every year that just you thought was so much fun. And, and that's enough. You know, we don't need to make everything exactly right in order for our kids to have a great Christmas looking back. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Very much mm-hmm. so. Well, why do you think 2020 is the year for this book to come out? Yeah, it's funny. You know, so many fellow authors I know that have books coming out in 2020, we laugh because no one would have picked having the pandemic we've had for releasing a book because the the release dates and the book tours and the plans have all just kind of gone by the wayside. And we've had to rethink how to release a book out into the world. But I keep hearing from more and more people, oh my gosh, I cannot wait for Advent this year more than ever or the holidays. I am so eager for the holidays. And I think the reason is because if in this year of uncertainty, you know, we've all heard in these uncertain times enough, (laughs) uh, in this year of uncertainty, we at least can hope on the surety that the holidays are going to end or or our year is going to end with the holidays, right? That we have Advent to look forward to that leads to Christmas. They, there is something life giving about knowing that these are things we can look forward to, even if they don't look the way we would want them to, you know, if some of us 
always go somewhere in particular, like, you know, grandma's house or some beloved place and you can't this year, there is some disappointment to be had, but there's something really inviting about turning our homes into the haven we want them to be in a world that just feels really fraught. And that's actually what Advent does. Advent is inviting us to stop, to slow down, and to remember what actually matters. And to me, 2020 is just screaming for that. It's screaming for all of us to stop and remember what actually matters. And so Advent feels like the perfect invitation to do just that to me. Yes, yes. And, you know, such a great reminder, you know, uh, Christ is what we need. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, And he's, he's, he's going to come, uh, you know, like you said, yeah. Advent is the uh, preparation for not only the first coming of him as the babe in the manger, but also the second coming as well. And so just remembering that uh, he is still there, he is coming. It's, it brings reassurance, mm-hmm. you know, for a year that's been yeah. really, really tough. So I, th- I think it's yeah. good. To- that's, that's right. And even if our holidays look absolutely nothing like we want them to, or like we feel like they should, there is reassurance that um, the thing that has truly been recognized during the holiday season for the past, you know, almost 2000 years, that's still true. And we need that reminder. Yes, very much so. And there's a, there's an assurance in there. There's a, something that brings us hope in that idea. Um, You know, Easter was bleak this year. It really was. It really, really was. And that is, um, you know, that's the biggest holiday in the church calendar and Uh usually uh, coming out of Lent, um, you know, I'm Catholic. And so Mm -hmm. we go home on Good Friday and the church is dark and it's stripped bare and there's, uh, you know, there's nothing in there. And we normally walk into the church on Easter morning and it's just uh, uh, overwhelming. I go on Easter morning. A lot of Catholics go on um, Easter vigil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Easter vigil. And my kids, by the time my kids got big enough that we could actually go to Easter Vigil, then my daughter and I were singing in the choir that sang at 7 a.m. <laughs> and yeah. so it's like, we're not going to do both. We're just going to no. get up, and, you know. <laughs> we have to be there at 5.30 to get ready, so no. Um, but it's just like, um, it's so beautiful and so wonderful. And the church, I will say the church was still the same this year. They they went in and they decorated and you I was watching it on YouTube. It still right. looked the same. But there was a sadness there. So that idea though that it the church stayed the same. That's right. That's even right. in the midst of everything. And I think that's one of the things that we have to remember is like this is not getting at Christ, this is not getting at the church. It remains the same. And just to have that daily reminder from that fourth Sunday before Christmas all the way up to Christmas, I think is something that we can all really benefit from this year. And yeah, and I love how the Catholic Church really teaches well the idea of the domestic church and that that is one of our jobs as parents is to shepherd our kids through Um, this domestic church idea. And so that's what we can do during Advent. If your parish is still closed, if you still um, can't embrace the traditions that you normally do out in your community, that you can turn your home into the little haven that it's supposed to be anyway, you know, Mm, and it's a reminder of our, of our solemn call as parents to shepherd these kids. 
Mm-hmm. Well, well, that brings me to the question, how is shadow and light eucumenical? I mean, how is it friendly to mm-hmm. uh, Catholics, Protestants, and then people, you know, just any kind of Christian? Yeah. So the the framework for the Psalms actually comes from the Anglican Book of Common Prayer, where it's the Psalms prescribed to read every day during Advent on some of the years. And so I started with that, but then I made sure that all the translations of the Psalms were also in the version uh, approved by the USCCB for um, from the United States Council of Catholic Bishops, because I wanted um, Catholics to feel like this was speaking their language just as much. Mm-hmm. I, um, I lean quite heavily into, um, you know, the Marian perspective of who she is as the mother of God. And I, at the same time, don't use a lot of Christianese. I I purposely wanted this to be a book, even for someone who is just, you know, hasn't stepped foot in a church in a long time, but likes the idea of having more of this focus during the holidays. I want them to feel like they are included and welcomed and they don't have to be a certain way in order to open up the Psalms and dig into it. And so I purposely leave out a lot of that language that depending on what faith tradition you grew up in feels so familiar, you don't even notice it. Um, So that it's fairly simple and clear and open and go and welcome to anyone. So I did a lot of ecumenism is a really high value of mine. And so I wanted to make sure that all of us could find value and not feel like, well, this is almost the right book for me, but it's written by, you know, someone like this or someone like that, or they use language a little bit like this that I'm not familiar with. There might be some of that, but on the whole, I try to um, keep it as, as wide a birth as possible. Yeah. And I think you've definitely done that, you know, as I'm looking through the book. And also there's a definite literary bent uh, mm-hmm. to a lot of the reflections that are in here. You know, I'm seeing references to Dante and Dorothy Sayers. And yeah. um, so you you mentioned book nerdiness earlier. And <laughs> I think yes. book nerds are going to get this and go, oh, yeah, she's speaking my language. Uh-huh. I basically spoke the language I speak. So <laughs> if you speak book nerd, then you will understand my accent and love it. <laughs> uh-huh. So, so much fun. Well, what about if somebody is celebrating Advent for the very first time? You mentioned you tried to make it friendly to them and leave out a lot of that uh, Christianese. So you wanted to make it comfortable for anybody to just pick up. Where do you recommend uh, mm-hmm. they begin? I, I'm scrolling through the bookstore. I have no idea, but it appeals to me. I pick it up and flip it open. Where should right. I start? Well, so the beginning of the book, I talk a little bit about my brief history with Advent, but then there is an entire chapter going through the five W's and H of Advent, the who, what, when, where, why, and how, because I don't want anybody to assume, uh, or I don't want anyone to think, I'm assuming you already know this and this about it. It is truly an explanation of what does the word mean and why do we celebrate it, or, you know, what resources do you recommend? And I have it linked to the book's website where it's all these resources you can use, including the playlists and the art you can just click on. So I try to make it as simple as possible so that if you're celebrating Advent for the first time, you can open it up to day one. And it says at the top, light the first purple candle, for example, or a blue candle. And then read this out loud and then read this. Here is the song that you can listen to. And it's linked on the book's website. 
And here's the art you can look at. And it's linked to on the book's website. And so I make it just, I wanted as little friction as possible for someone who has never done this before and doesn't want to feel dumb, like they're, they're not, you know, speaking the right language or something um, for them to know exactly what to do and just see how that feels. Does it feel like too much? Then the next day, skip the music and art or whatever it is. Um, if it feels just right, you can consider maybe, you know, adding another scriptural reading or, or whatever. I also include in there, there's a section for 25 days of uh, gospel readings about the birth of Christ. So if you really truly would prefer to read from, say, Matthew or Luke, because you really want to lean into the story of Christ, then you absolutely may. Um, and so you could add that on if you want, but just test it out and see what feels right to you and your family and your situation. Um, just starting with day one. And then when you're done, move the bookmark to day two and just pick up there and then just do exactly what the book tells you to do. Um, because I've got all the way down to, you know, the last week of Advent, it can get a little confusing because um, just depends on when Christmas Eve and Christmas Day falls on that fourth Sunday of Advent, and it'll tell you, go to December 18th or day this. And and so it's almost like a choose-your-own-adventure book, you know, <laughs> where you just do what the book tells you to do, and then you'll be fine. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I think it was last year we had, like, no fourth week of Advent at all. Right. Yeah. No, it, it, I think Christmas Eve was Sunday or something like that. I can't remember what it was, but it was a very short Advent. Right. Yeah. Every year it's different, so you never know. It is different. Yeah. And as Catholics, we go to church on Sunday, you know, right. and we go to church on Christmas Eve and you didn't get to double dip. So that's right. <laughs> I think we had to go like Saturday night and Sunday night. And, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Huh. So it's like no double dipping. You have to go both days. <laughs> right. That's hilarious. <laughs> so, so much fun. Yeah. Um, oh, Boy, I was, I'm so glad you said that about the music and the uh, art, because that was going to be my question for you is you have, you know, it, it says here, listen to this. And I'm like, where am I going to find this? Is this uh -huh. going to be a lot of work for me? But you've actually linked it up. Yeah, there's an actual Spotify playlist that is part of the book. And so you can, you know, if you have a Spotify account, you can even just save it to your own account and then just use that playlist just day one, day two. But you don't even need that. You can just go to the website and click play. And of course, there's uh, some of these old hymns or carols. Um, there's many versions of it. So if you don't like the version that I picked, no big deal. You go find the one that works for you. But I personally, I, I love music. So I picked the ones that uh, were most personally enjoyable to me. And I think um, are kind of more universally appreciated. You know, I, I have a lot of old stuff on there on purpose. I'm, I'm kind of a purist when it comes to holiday music. And I, mm -hmm. like, I like it done traditionally and I like it done well. <laughs> <laughs> so do or do the hymns kind of correspond to the psalm for the day? Is that yes. how you Okay. Yeah. The art and the music all uh, all somewhat correspond to the topic of the day per the psalm. So, um and you know, there is a, a difference between advent music and christmas music. So the, a lot of these um songs you might not either recognize or you might associate with some other time other than the holidays. And I don't have some of the more traditional holiday songs on there. And that's on purpose because you'll find those everywhere. You know, right. there's no shortage of, of Christmas playlists you can find, but there's not a lot of Advent ones out there. So this is Advent in particular. Right. Yeah. Well, okay. So what about the person who, and I'm asking for a friend here. <laughs> uh huh. I grew up not Catholic and my family is, my family still does not recognize or do anything with the liturgical year. One of the things I struggle with, and this is just me and you talking right now, is we, 
like I'm already, I'm all in on celebrating the 12 days of Christmas, but we get to the 26th and I feel like the world has just left me. Yeah. Christmas is over. Right. You know, so you got anything for that one? Me too, because my family, I, I did not grow up in, in any sort of tradition that recognized 12 full days of Christmas. And so for me, it's a bit tricky because my husband and I feel like a little bit of the outliers among mm-hmm. the extended family. And so the what I tell people, because I tell this to myself, give grace upon grace upon grace here, because again, the liturgical calendar is a gift to us. It's not some kind of magic lamp or some kind of... of thing we need to do to appease God. That's not how this works. So if for whatever reason you're, you're with extended family and they have moved on, it's okay. And you don't want to be that person that says, guys, it's Christmas tide. You, you know, it, you can still say Merry Christmas up to January 6th. You, it, it, I advise do it in a way that's enjoyable to you and to those who also recognize it and let your winsomeness be attractive (laughs) enough to where other people see the appeal to it without you being dogmatic and preachy. And so, yes, that looks like in our family, every now and then we will go to a holiday themed event during Advent that is actually Christmas. And we are going to go ahead and eat the Christmas cookies and listen to the Christmas carols and say Merry Christmas because we're not purists about this. You know, this this isn't a dogmatic thing. Um, but we, um, we notice and lean into the things that we can control, which is what happens in our house. And so in our home, we will recognize Advent the way is most life-giving to us and do it the way we enjoy, but not uh, sweat the details. And so, you know, in our home, that looks like waiting perhaps till the 12 days of Christmas to enjoy those Christmas movies at home. But, you know, if my parents invite us to come over and watch a Christmas movie on December 14th, we're not going to say no, it's Advent. Um, we're, we're just going to enjoy it because that's okay. You know, that, that's who we are. But at home, we might do something differently. We have a, um, a group of friends and we do a Christmas cookie trade every year um, among friends, but we don't do it till the 12 days of Christmas. And that's something we can look forward to. Because um, we at least know there's a there's a few people out there who <laughs> prescribe to the same philosophy that we do. And then I've never yet done this, but I know some families that do a 12th night party for the last night of Christmas leading to Epiphany. And it just sounds like so much fun. And I've always wanted to do that. It does. So, yeah. And so I, I guess my advice to people is you do you and enjoy it. And hopefully maybe extended family will see the enjoyment and want to partake. But if they don't, that's okay. Because... You do you and they do them. Yeah, I think you've hit upon something there that finding people in your community, in your faith community, or, uh, you know, just like-minded people who are kind of celebrating in the same way and then uh, being able to do some things with them uh, Mm -hmm. after the holidays or during the holidays. See, I even do it myself. Um, you know, during the holiday season to, uh, to continue the celebration. And I'll tell you one thing that I've discovered is that all of the Christmas, like gingerbread house decorating kits go on sale <laughs> December 26th. Yeah. So you can go out and buy all kinds of things to continue your 12 days of Christmas celebration at a great discount. That is a great idea. I've never even thought of that. We're going to have to look for that this year. And I I think that's so true. I think sometimes we think like the idea of 12 days of Christmas sounds a little stomach churning whenever you were already used to celebrating Christmas beforehand. 
Yeah. So if you imagine Advent as a gift being a delay on that kind of stuff, you're not sick of it by December 25th. You actually want to lean into it and enjoy it all the more. So the idea of gingerbread houses on December 29th actually sounds like great fun instead. Well, and it takes a lot of pressure um, off of you as the mom. If, you, if you're giving yourself the 12 whole days to celebrate, then mm-hmm. uh, you can prepare during Advent and take it nice and slow and get the things you need. And then even if you're, the world around you, it, they're doing all of their Christmas celebrations and plays and things like that before the 25th, then you can take that time between the 25th and the 6th of January to do those home celebrations and really have time to do them without having to feel like you've got to cram them in between the 1st and the 24th. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I tell people sometimes that we recognize Advent, not because we don't like Christmas that much, but because we love it so much. Yeah. Like, oh, it, yeah. it gives us permission to really enjoy Christmas and not just, you know, have that. You know, we all have had that letdown on December 26th at where it's like, oh, well, that was it. You don't get that when you recognize 12 full days of Christmas. You know, it's almost like a, a slow off ramp into epiphany that's just really enjoyable. It's kind of like a road trip where you can sort of just enjoy the ride instead of trying to hurry, hurry, hurry. And then you're exhausted crashing into bed and, you know, you're so ready for normal life again. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're looking at the weeks in that you've set up in the book. You know, the first week is expectation. Um, the second week is preparation. And you're not just talking there about uh, preparing your house, but mm-hmm. you're also talking about preparing your heart. Right. Um, and then anticipation is the third week. And then that last week there is gratitude. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's very important as we're talking about kind of all the practical aspects of Advent and Christmas to realize that this preparation we're doing is a preparation of our internal selves That's right. for the coming. And so... Yeah. And what's kind of nice about that as a mom is that you can actually recognize your kids' feelings a lot, or you can identify with it a lot more than if you're just a mom trying to hunker down and endure it. Um, You know, whenever you've got this kid that will um, say, you know, two more weeks till Christmas, and they're saying it with excitement and you hear it with dread, like, oh my gosh, I've got so much to do. And that kind of causes you to panic. Instead, you can kind of enjoy the anticipation with them because there's less of this like urgency to it all. And so there is this inward journey that you go through. In fact, there's even a little bit of that when you start feeling this, okay, I'm ready for things to be over because what you're ready to be over is that anticipatory feeling. You're just ready for it to go ahead and be here. And so once it arrives and you don't have to like, just like dive in the deep end on one day and then be done with it, you can actually just enjoy it instead. And so, yeah, there's a lot of that inward piece that comes from this. Yeah. And, you know, just in reflecting on years past, and there have been some years where we have been very consistent with our Advent candle and our prayers. And then there have been other years where we haven't been for whatever reason. And I can remember, uh, you know, meeting together as a family to do this. We would usually do it at night before dinner. We would light the candles and, and say our prayers and just feeling kind of after the Advent season, a little let down because mm-hmm. it was such a beautiful practice of us meeting together for those extra prayers every day. Um, and so I think as families kind of embrace this, they're going to find that it's something that they really enjoy. Yeah. Especially because you can still make it however it works best for you. You know, yeah. this is so open-ended. If you need it to be a certain way, then let it be a certain way and let it be the gift that it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I love the reminder that this is for you. God doesn't need this. This is right. for you. And <laughs> right. so you're not going to displease him. <laughs> right. Exactly. Anyway, not, you do it. Exactly. There's not some wrong or right way to do this because yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, uh, Tish, tell us where we can find the book. Well, um, so the main website for the book is shadowandlightadvent.com. And that's not only where you can buy the book, but that's where you can find all the things that go with it, such as the playlist and the artwork to listen to. Um, I mean, the playlist to listen to, the artwork to look at. We also have a few things for people who are um, who are able to get it in time for Advent, such as uh, I've got a little three-part series, um, audio series of 101 helping explain sort of the ins and outs of Advent and how we recognize it. And then I've got a bonus conversation with my friend, Haley Stewart, um, who has slightly younger kids than me. And we talk about how we do Advent practically with our kids' ages. And so um, all of that is at shadowandlightadvent.com where you can find all the goodies that go with it. Love it. Love it. Well, Mm -hmm. thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing this with us. I think it is a beautiful book and it's really going to be a gift and a blessing to families this year. Thank you so much. It was great chatting with you. Now, if you would like links to any of the books and resources that Tish and I chatted about today, including a link to Tish's own book and all the wonderful resources available on her website, you can find them on the show notes for this episode of the podcast. That is at pambarnhill.com forward slash YMB83. Now, also on the show notes, we have the transcript for the podcast and downloads to help you get the most out of listening to the podcast. So we include things like key takeaways, some action items for you to do, and just some other ideas that you can use to bring the contents of this episode to life in your own homeschool. So don't forget to go and download those. PamBarnhill.com forward slash YMB 83. Now, we'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another Advent interview. This time, we're going to have Jeannie Shaw on. Jeannie is the author of our Catholic Morning Time Plans here at Your Morning Basket Plus, but she is also a a music major, and she has a wealth of knowledge all about music. So she's going to be talking to us all about Advent music and how we can use music that's a little different than the traditional Christmas music we know to bring more of this holiday spirit into our morning time. You're not going to want to miss this one. Until then, keep seeking truth, goodness, and beauty in your homeschool day.